0: Hey everyone, this is Paul Siegel, and you're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs comes to you live every Sunday at 1pm Eastern, and you can catch us on twitch.tv wanderingdms, or youtube.com wanderingdms live. And now, on with the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul.
1: And I'm Dan. And on this episode of Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about ability scores in D&D and maybe other role-playing games. Uh, what's the best modifier system? What's the best way to generate scores for your characters? And what should they apply to in-game? Ability scores today on Wandering DMs. Awesome. Awesome. You know, Paul. I realized when I was prepping for this, this is actually not something we've actually talked about together so much. No, a no, yeah. This, There's it, a lot this... of other things we we chat about just <laughs> normally, and then I was like ability scores. We've never actually talked about that for some reason.
0: It is really very interesting, actually, and I think we're gonna have some difference of opinions on some yeah. minor details. And um, yeah, this is, this is going to be a it's going to be a, a, a hot one. I think <laughs> i
1: think i yeah I, that's what i felt too it's like I feel, I feel like i'm gonna we're gonna stumble into some stuff that we I, didn't we didn't know we we possibly disagree about
0: i didn't even think of non-dnd systems until you just said it just now and so now it's percolating yeah. in my brain of like other yeah. other systems and like oh oh there's actually a bunch of interesting things to talk about there awesome looking yeah. forward to it great <laughs> so where do anyway, you want to start. I
1: might, now i'm realizing this might be multiple episodes again <laughs> Anyway, so ability scores part one. Yeah, 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great, great. Okay, okay. So, uh, where do you want to start, Dan? Which which we look at?
1: Let's look at the current thing. Let's look at let's look at the current fifth edition ability scores because that's maybe what people are familiar with these days, and it's pretty uh, uh, it's pretty easy to digest actually. So maybe start with the fifth edition. Scores, if you want to pull
0: that up, possibly. I didn't get my player's handbook out just so I have it in front of me.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> but yeah, 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 yeah. Let's, let's 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 look at some stuff here. Okay, great. There's there it is. That's probably easier than paging through my book. Go on.
1: So so the the the, the main table is there at the top, right? And yep. the main the main story is every two pips in your ability gives you an extra modifier. So if you're at ten to eleven, there's no modifier. If you're at twelve to thirteen, there's plus one. It goes up very regularly every two pips. Pretty easy to understand. Um, and in fact, this has been the, the the constant universal system for ability scores since at least third edition. Um, so fourth edition, third edition, all basically use the same table. Um, uh, you know what's interesting? One thing I noticed here is this table goes up to 30 mm-hmm. and then stops. Yep. Is that, does the text in fifth edition specifically say you can't go up past 30? Cause that's different in like third edition. Let's find out.
0: Um,
1: it doesn't even say thirty to thirty-one in that last category; It just says thirty. Um, yeah,
0: I don't. I don't. Uh, nothing's jumping out at me. Nothing's telling okay. me obviously that okay. uh, that there's a minimum or maximum. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. but of course, I haven't read this text super closely. Uh, I'm just so used to it, honestly. Three, yeah. three to eighteen, right? Three d six is just very uh, traditional. Uh, I would say, you yep. know, the major thing where 5th edition breaks from earlier editions is just in the presentation of raw score versus modifier, right? It's very in vogue these days to list the modifier first and have the, gotcha. uh, the raw number secondary. Gotcha. Right, gotcha. like if you go into D&D Beyond and you're going to export to PDF, I think that the default right. is, to, is to have right. modifier up front and right. the actual score, you know, lower down.
1: It's certainly the thing that gets used the most often, and I see, you know, right immediately in the chat, I see some people asking um, is there any point to even carrying around the base ability score anymore? Maybe you could just record the modifier and leave it at that. Now, to my knowledge, every edition of D&D to date, there's always at least some side corner case where you need the raw ability modifier, and the first thing that pops out in my head in fifth edition is for encumbrance. Right, the maximum amount that you can carry is 15 pounds times your strength score. Mm-hmm. So, to my mm-hmm. knowledge, there's always maybe a, a reduced, minimal case, but there's still some kind of case where you do still need the the, the original score. And also, if you get, take a penalty or a modifier in game or something like that, that might modify your, your original score.
0: I mean, I'll point out that that uh, fifth edition still lists as the first, you know, uh, way of generating your scores being rolling a bunch of d6s interesting right that is still um you know option number one right right now granted there's there's Now you can see on the on the image we have
1: here is the the ability score point cost which is sitting right on the same table with the ability score modifiers so many people like to use that um you know i have this thesis on my blog that point by systems are always broken now this is probably about as little broken a system as you can have because there aren't a whole lot of complicated um, variables interacting, uh, but uh, do you do you do you ever use abilities point by um, Paul?
0: There is one member of my regular fifth edition group that really likes it. Um, yeah. He is currently DMing, so our current crop of characters uh, did use point by to make our to make yeah, the. Yeah. Although he actually then gave us the option. He said point by or standard array. Either one.
1: Yep, yep, yep,
0: yep. Um,
1: and when we made characters, when we made characters for the roster on the Big Bad this season, right? We used standard. We actually used standard array as well. As a pretty, right. you know, considering we had to make so many characters, it was a pretty good way to get started as a basis like that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it makes a lot of sense for a tournament show where you want like as right. as fair a standing as possible. Right,
1: right, right. <clears throat> so maybe let's look at um, let's look at third edition because I mean. It's actually the same thing. So more 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 text on that image there, which is complicated. Yep. But really, if you dig into it the exact same system, the exact same basic system of hmm. uh, two, one modifier point for every two pips of your ability score. Now this table here, you'd have to zoom in really, really close to see it, but it goes up to 44 plus. So clearly the, um, at least the implication is clearly that these modif- these scores and these modifiers go arbitrarily high. And any place, like also like the encumbrance table in third edition, has specific rules for going past the top end of the table.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so the instinct here is you would you can possibly at least get up to forty four, forty five, possibly. And you also see the table of strength, and I think that like you know giant strength in that system goes up to into the thirties, whereas in fifth edition it's only like around twenty twenty five or so, um, which mm-hmm. kind of goes to I think in fifth edition right, they call that. Bounded accuracy or something like that. Bounded accuracy, where they kind of put a lot of design emphasis to making sure the numbers never go up too high. Hmm. ACs, attack values, strengths, ability scores um, are always have some kind of system to cap them or keep them from getting excessively high, which is new and not something that was in any prior edition where just like possibly the sky's the limit.
0: Yeah, you um, definitely you definitely feel it playing fifth edition D anD I think coming from uh, say third edition, um, it definitely feels like the numbers are a little lower than what you expect, and so there's right. often that moment mm-hmm. of hesitation of like, oh, my armor yeah. class is kind of low, um, right. or the DCs of these debil- of these skill checks right. are kind of low, but actually they feel yep. pretty good in play, uh, is yeah. what I would say. So I, I, I could yeah. see that that there was a systematic like just keep the numbers from getting inflating too much. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I, yep uh, it I still I still have to make that adjustment
1: mentally of the scores being less than I would expect and also attack values for for fighters which every frankly every edition since nineteen seventy four the basic the basic rule was every level of fighter you get an extra one point of attack bonus mm-hmm. and that is a fairly major um, disruption in fifth edition to you know classic players, but it is what it is and the system was certainly systematic in the way that they designed it.
0: Now, now should we we should be talking, I think, about how you generate these numbers, right? Because I think it's interesting that in 5th in yeah. and 3rd, um, you know, the default mechanism is D6s, but it's still 4D6 dropped the lowest, which I Correct. think was probably introduced in 1E, I believe? Yep,
1: shows up in the first edition uh, Dungeon Master's Guide in 1979, mm-hmm. that's uh, method 1. Yep. of creating ability scores. And to my knowledge, uh, you know, when Gary Gygax was running original D&D games in the early 2000s, that's that's exactly the way that he would do it, is 46, d 6 sort, uh, you know, drop uh, drop the lowest, put them in any order you want. And that seemed to be kind of his go- core go-to since at least the, the late 70s. Interesting,
0: interesting. So
1: that Thanks. one's been pretty sticky. That method has been pretty sticky, and people tend to like it. Uh, it's not too complicated. Um, and that feel, has been fairly standard
0: yeah yeah i feel like those of us who are, who are used to playing the the classic editions of d still kind of knee-jerk to going like that's eh, too high it's too generous it's yeah. too much yep yep
1: <laughs> i agree i agree yeah. maybe that's maybe that's that does seem suspiciously suspiciously high and also i'll say this um you know the fact that you can reorder right in the state that standard rule the fact that you can reorder your six abilities is a little complicated for brand new players i mean i'm Mm -hmm. always you know thinking about what's the brand new never ever played a rpg before experience and i have seen players you know smart players that undergo analysis paralysis Mm -hmm. at that point because they really feel like well now i if i if i can sort them in any order now i need to understand what all six ability scores are need to understand every mechanic in the game that they could possibly affect. And then you're on this path of like, well, what are open doors checks? And what is an attack check? And what is your damage? And what is armor class? And what are the different class of options? Yep. And I have seen people, uh, brand new players kind of stumble over the need to make those decisions uh, when you have a complete open buffet of what you want to apply them to.
0: I, I, I totally agree with that, honestly, and yeah. I feel like that yeah. is that is something that has just gotten more and more complex over the additions. And it's not just ability yes. scores, right? It's yeah. class abilities, race abilities, like yeah. all the yeah. stuff, the number of things that you need to consider when making a new character has just gone yeah. up and up and up. Um, yeah. Now, I think that the ultimate leveling for this across all those editions is, of course, pregens, right? That's the easiest. Okay, don't worry about it. Yeah. I made a character for you. Here it is. Just go. Yes. um yeah. but it is nice to consider the the mid the 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 next step right like what is the next like okay you want to make your own character I want to let you do that but right. you're still such a newbie that I I need to introduce it to you uh in as easy to digest a way as possible I think that's very interesting
1: and I've seen it pointed out you know i've I've, I've seen it you know a, a good point that hadn't crossed my mind until recently is the idea of keep 3d6 in order Possibly for brand new players, just take the decision right off the table for them, and then maybe have another option. For there you go. Thank you, Joshua. <laughs> <3-6 laughs>
0: Three six in order as Crom intended. <laughs> Excellent. Couldn't yes.
1: agree more. So maybe you want maybe you want to keep that in a game for brand new players so that they can discover what the abilities do as they play, as Crom intended, yeah. Uh, yeah, as well. Um, and uh, you know maybe you want to keep. Other, you know, choicey type things for once players are more experienced, perhaps.
0: Um, I maybe maybe I'm going too far down a tangent, but here's here's the thing that I've been doing recently, which is generally dice for ability scores, because I think especially for a new player, they don't they don't know all the options. They need they need yeah. uh, limitations of some kind, right? Uh, yeah. um, <clears throat> I can't remember the saying something about uh, limitations. Uh, helping creativity anyway uh, yep. <laughs> um, right so they need those limitations but then there's also a, a brief moment of like oh the dice just screwed me they didn't you know I, there is one I had one opinion and the dice have just totally yeah. told me no and so my usual method these days is roll them all okay now you get one swap you have one yeah. customization. Yeah. What is yeah. the one most important thing to you? You can do that, um, and I feel like that gives them that moment of like a little taste of control and a little taste of influence on their character without, you know, then having to think of the fifty million options. Don't consider a pretty, the fifty million. It, 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 find it, one thing.
1: It's a, yeah, it's a pretty good thesis. Like I actually had that in my OED house rules for quite a while. Hmm. Uh, I think a couple minutes ago, Manahin in the uh, the viewer chat said that that is what they do in five torches deep now i guess um so the idea of mostly roll it give you maybe one swap it's a pretty solid it's a pretty solid idea it's pretty
0: low impact for complexity yeah um, uh it, yeah. interestingly here uh it's limited to humans according uh according oh. to in there uh, uh okay. i like five torches deep strikes a new balance 3d6 in order but humans can swap any two of the scores what did what a, i always like Clever ways of making humans interesting. I always think that's. Yeah. Right. And it like seems that. like every rule set ever is trying to, like, well, I don't want to just say, like, humans are baseline and then every other race has extra stuff. Let's find some way to make yeah. humans have their own special thing. I
1: agree. I agree.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> you know, one thing I should interject, and I didn't pull this out for an image, but again, one of the things, if you go into the original D&D 1974 Oops.
0: rules. Sorry. Um, Jump the image. Uh, there we go. Sorry.
1: Um, so if you go to the 1974 original D&D rules, one of the really interesting things is, and again, it's, it's so weird that even though I allegedly run od and I read it and I still go, really? Is that it actually says the player shouldn't roll. It actually says the dungeon master. Huh. Of course, they except they hadn't invented the word dungeon master before. So yeah. it specifically says the referee should roll the ability scores and then hand them to the player with which they then decide what, what class they want to play. Um, and I'm like, why would why would the why would you say that the referee rolls the ability scores? I mean, again, unless this was like thinking about like total immersion and the players just never have the dice at all and never even have the mechanics in front of them. I mean, they,
0: there's thing. there's a theory right that in the early days that maybe your group only had one set of dice, right? Um, right. Um, so maybe just the even these sixes though. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah,
1: that seems hard to. You were just playing chainmail. You were just playing <laughs> chainmail, and you had or Warhammer or something. Yeah. You had, you've got a thousand. You've got a thousand d6s already. That's that's hard.
0: <laughs> okay. Maybe I guess that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> All right. Shall we continue crawling was, back through? Was,
1: sometimes I think about that yeah. being really hardcore and just taking it right away from the players and being like, "Here's your ability scores. I tell you what they are."
0: That's bizarre. That's bizarre.
1: That Rolling dice, dice is know,
0: fun, that. man. I don't. I don't want to take that away from my players. Mm-hmm. It's fun. What if your players
1: are cheating? What if your players have loaded dice and they're cheating and they do it, you know, they want to do it offline. You don't want to spend time at the table. Maybe you need to, maybe, see, now again, I've been burned in the past on that. So yeah. I have scars
0: on my other people. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> honest, honest, honestly, my, my gut either goes to either, it's fine, that's the kind of fun we're having and everyone's into it, or stop playing with those people. <laughs>
1: It's among the among the one page of advice I needed when I was eleven. <laughs> All right,
0: shall we shall we continue uh, crawling backwards through the editions here?
1: Yeah, yeah, let's what, do it. You know, the, um, the, the system that has uh, one you know one modifier per two pips actually, I believe, comes out of. Uh, one of the first edition supplements, actually, the, I believe it's the uh, the wilderness survival guide mm-hmm. that has a bunch of uh, sub skills, where the math basically turns the same thing. It's like, uh, you know, you roll a d20 and you get two pips per skill point. So that more or less got, mo- you know, transmogrified into the third edition system that we still have us with with us today. But the first place that anybody tried to have a universal system where the modifiers were the same for every ability was once again Tom Moldvay, the genius uh, in his D and D basic basic rules that we're looking at right now, where for the first time every ability basically used the same the same modifiers that went plus one, two, or three when you get to the eighteen score. Mm-hmm. So you've got so for, for so for his system, you have a, a three pip span of uh was it 13 14 15 you get plus one and then a two two pips span 16 17 you get plus two and then only (coughs) for maximum possible 18 do you get a plus three
0: yeah now Uh, i i I think this is really fascinating right because bx is so clearly bound to the 3 to 18 range right we are clearly we're rolling 3d6 precisely um and and the the Spread of the modifiers matches the bell curve that 3d6 generates, which I find to be really interesting. Um, and I kind of like, I kind of like now it's it breaks right because it breaks as soon as you have things other than your initial roles modifying these ability scores, right? The moment you're gaining, I don't know, uh, what in BX is even going to change your ability score? Maybe an iron stone?
1: There <coughs> is yeah. nothing. Yeah. There will right. that. there's no strength spell there isn't
0: anything right um, and you're not worried about what is giant strength I mean surely there's there's potions of giant strength right but they but then those have specific effects they don't just say plus X to your strength they say no no now you can do XYZ um, which I think is really really fascinating I kind of I honestly kind of love it um, I kind of really love that and um, it's it's something that I've clung to for a long time and I I um, I inevitably, I think, end up moving towards a linear rather than rather than bell curve rate because of magic items or spells or whatnot that are going to shift me off the chart.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. As soon as, so there's there's two primary. I mean, it's it's a very nice system, and I played with this for many years, and it's it's very attractive. And it's um, you know, in in BX, they don't even have uh, racial ability modifiers, so there's nothing that you're adding for being a dwarf or an elf or anything like that, same as original D&D. They do have a system whereby you can lower one ability in order to improve another one, but you can't go past 18 with that. Um, But the two primary criticisms are, one, some people say maybe that plus three is too much, Mm. Uh, particularly when you have a system that's using both D20 rolls and D6 rolls, because at this point we still are using D6 based roles for a bunch of stuff like opening doors and searching and optionally de- uh, optionally bonuses to initiative. Mm-hmm. So some people would say if, if, particularly if you've got a D6 role happening for some of the stuff, maybe the plus three is, is, is not balanced and overweighted. And the other criticism is that as soon as you have anything that you want to expand the table for, uh, a non, you know, a giant character or an ogre or a monster character or a strength spell or something, yeah, this, this system yeah. does not extrapolate.
0: Yeah, and I think as it's being mentioned in the comments here, like, even though it doesn't exist in the books, inevitably you're going to find something in some module somewhere that's going to to do this, right? You're going to find a magic fountain that changes yeah. your strength right. or intelligence or something. Right. You're gonna, something is going to inevitably modify these ability right. scores. Now, that means like an obvious thing to happen, and it will at some point. I want, I want at this point because I've introduced a lot of people to BX, and I want to talk a little bit about generally the scale of numbers, right? right. So, mm-hmm. so this is the point where we're going to three d six rather than forty six. Drop the lowest. Um, definitely, I feel like a lot of people that I've introduced to this game uh, who are used to later editions come at this and immediately bemoan, "Oh, my ability scores are so low," and okay. um. Okay. And I think the interesting thing about that is my usual retort is, but they matter a lot less. I think mm-hmm. that they have far less impact in your ability to do things in the game than they do in later editions, right? Once once there's no more skill systems to worry about, like at most you're talking about a plus three, but even those aren't just the extremes, right? More likely you're talking about a plus one or two. I think it's it's not as big of a deal.
1: Yeah, um, yeah, it's inter- I mean, and then maybe it maybe it should, I mean, maybe, you know, so obviously a lot of people point to original D&D. And it's funny because I just had an interaction with um, with with Griff from Secrets of Blackmore a couple of days ago. Um, and uh, you know, some people point to original D&D and say there almost weren't any ability modifiers whatsoever, mm-hmm. which is <clears> 100 percent, <throat> but, but closer to the truth um and you know maybe that was you know maybe that was a design mistake frankly and maybe we needed to step in a direction where the abilities mattered more um uh like we like as as we get to bx and things like that so personally i don't mind the abilities um you know mattering uh somewhat in game but you, you
0: do end up, so, so I guess I, I fall back a lot more on the sort of, like, challenge the player rather than their character, right? So I like to do more stuff where, you know, we're not going to roll dice, right? You, I just want you to immerse yourself and deal with the environment and whatnot. Um... You know, and I feel like you end up with the more of the the painful argument of you know, there's there's some players who are always going to be unhappy about rolling dice for abilities because of the fairness aspect, right? This his character is way better than my character, um, and I'm, and I, I personally I always fight against that. I feel one, I'm like whatever, you're a team, who cares, right? There, some people are better than others, and that's fine, and you work together and yeah. and just do whatever you want. And the other thing is that like. If everyone's, if everyone's average or everyone's above average, that's boring, right? I love having a character that has a, a low ability score. I think that's interesting. That makes them, you know, that's something to role play. Whereas, you know, a character that's all 14s across the board, that's, eh.
1: eh. I basically Stop. agree. I mean, I basically, you know, I'm not persuaded by the we all have to be above average which, you know, right on the face of it kind of
0: doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's <laughs> yes. it's the it's the it's but the Lord like movie gone right? uh character model. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All the children so are above So, You know,
1: granted that the player characters, you know, are following the same rules, at least the same generation rules, yeah. I don't mind them uh, you know, reflecting the rest of your supposed population, frankly. Um so I I actually do agree that the the instinct for we're all above average winds up being a losing battle because it's just you're you're on a pathway of just eternal escalation at that point. Yeah, that, uh, that you'll never you'll never get off that treadmill as long as you want to be above average of everybody else.
0: Okay. Um, um, Dan, it's interesting that we've jumped to BX here. Um, so I've not I haven't right. looked at your slides. Uh, do we have a first edition page in here?
1: Well, okay, the, the next I'd like you to go to the next slide because so so here we are in bx and now i'm kind of going the other direction so th- again the, the the criticism the main thing that i have the problem with the bx thing is that you can't you can't expand the table past that so what we're looking at here is a couple years later in the beckby line we're looking at frank menser's answer to that in the immortal rules right so beck means basic mm-hmm. expert companion masters and the i is for immortals mm-hmm. so he makes this immortal set and clearly the immortals can obviously have abilities above eighteen, <coughs> all the way to hundred. Mm-hmm. So um, here, Menser expands the ability table, mostly the one on the left, because again, charisma has its own special table. Charisma is yep. always the standout, but yep. the one on the left, basic table, and you can see that he has to—I mean, he has to do this lunatic thing uh, to make it to make an expanded table, whereby there's only one pip at eighteen, and then there's uh, for the plus three <laughs> bonus, there's two for plus four then there's two for plus five and there's three for plus six and then the 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 gaps are going up and down up and down and expanding and shrinking and and then until you get back up to 9900 it's like this lunatic crazy (laughs) system that really hurts me to just look at it so (laughs) i feel like that's but that's you know that if as soon as you start saying well we obviously have to expand ability scores for giants or immortals or something like that Yep. You get locked into this really crazy system because it, it doesn't expand.
0: So uh, the thing that I was looking for, uh, that I was surprised we're not talking about here is uh, first edition exceptional strength.
1: Yeah, I have yeah. that too. Okay, I have good, that that's two slides away. Of <laughs> course great, I have great, that two slides. Okay, we'll get
0: there away. then. We'll get Stick there. A
1: pin in that.
0: That's that's a that's a freaking weirdo thing. Okay, great, great. <laughs> So the next um, yeah, slide is this, original V&D. I have uh, honestly, this is the first time I've ever seen this chart. Um, okay. okay, okay. Uh, I, I mean, yep. maybe I'm sure that I have books and that I glanced right. past it and just didn't really right. consume it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah that's uh, that's very weird. And then, of course, anything like this is great. You expand it to a hundred, and then inevitably, what happens when I get the thing with a hundred and one?
1: there you go here we go again <laughs> right right <laughs> and off we go again yeah so admittedly yeah. i do appreciate the i got to admit i do appreciate a, a you know a, a fairly simple system uh that came up a little bit later that you can expand it in a reasonable way i do like that and you don't follow this uh yeah. psychiatric problem <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> of a uh, <laughs> of a table that's just like totally So like that i would strange. say this the, the criticism of that I, I i kind of would apply to the fifth edition experience table too again they have a completely unpredictable non-systemic system for xp yep. awards um, and an advancement in fifth edition i don't like that on the same basis
0: hmm.
1: Hmm. but let's look at original V. okay so that's that's Great. obviously that's a, the, the immortals rules a one-off nobody used that before or after that So here's actually the page of ability score modifiers in original D&D 1974. And you can see there's a little explanation for what each of the modifiers were. There's a special table just for charisma. There's no extra table for strength or dexterity or constitution or anything, but charisma gets its own table. Now, you know, a lot of people say charisma is your dump stat, but arguably in original D&D, Maybe it's the single most important stat. It's the only <laughs> one that gets own custom table. And it's yeah. the only one that specifically tells you how many hirelings or followers you get, What like what your troop size is. And you could have anywhere from one to six or 18. Suddenly that doubles. Maybe you have 12 followers running around with you. That, that could make a really significant difference in your D&D game. Um, past that, the primary thing... Uh, that it's modifying his experience. So depending on what your prime requisite uh, is, ah, prime requisite right.
0: bonuses. Oh, I yeah. remember it so yeah. well. Did you uh, did you play with prime requisite bonuses, Dan?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, yeah. you know, again, as someone who's fairly OCD, uh, that's in original D anD D. That's in BX. Yep. That's in first edition. Yep. It's yep. in the book so yep. it didn't cross my mind to possibly modify that at all
0: yeah yeah uh, i certainly i certainly used it as as a, yeah. as a kid and only in sort of modern looking yeah. back at it time did i think like right. why why do i right. want this this is yeah. yay more math that's largely yeah. inconsequential yeah.
1: and admittedly i will say this admittedly right in the original rules for the classes that you have in those rules they're just fighter cleric magic user, what we call now wizard, right? So your prime requisite of strength, wisdom, intelligence, they have no in-game effect except for experience. So the specific abilities that you're supposed to have high for the purposes of your class have absolutely no in-game effect whatsoever in these rules except for experience.
0: Hmm.
1: Um, Now, the other ones do. You can't say there's no ability modifiers because all the other ability scores that aren't tied to a class, they do have an ability modifier. And you can see that for constitution, there is a hit point adjustment, possibly Mm -hmm. plus one or minus one. Uh, For dexterity, there is uh, a missile attack bonus of plus one or minus one. Um, For charisma has its own brand new table uh, where the, you know, for henchmen and the loyalty base goes up to as much as plus four, um there's also if you look really closely at the text the tippy top it says dexterity will uh also indicate the speed with actions such as firing first or getting off a spell now there is no mechanical details of that anywhere in the rules again fill that in with dm fiat because there's no specifics to what that means but there's the indication of i guess maybe an initiative role type thing that mm-hmm. might be come up later on mm-hmm. um And so and the other thing I point out is on right under where it says bonuses and penalties to advancement, it says uh, low score is three to eight average is nine to 12 high is 13 to 18. Um, So there's clearly you know, a couple different categories. Now for my purposes, you know, there's there's two gradations to the prime requisite bonus, right? There's if you get 13 or 14 in your ability, that's plus 5%. -hmm. If it's 15 or more, you get plus 10%. So from my angle, that looks like two increments to the strength XP adjustment, possibly. Mm-hmm. There's two increments for, again, same for intelligence, same for wisdom. Yep. Right? yep. The contribution dexterity, it's only either plus one or minus one. There's only one bump. On the other hand, charisma goes up to as much as four. So if I look at those numbers and I take the average, to my mind, on average, there looks like about two bumps. Looks like on average, two bumps from the one, mm-hmm. the two, mm-hmm. the four. And so, with people, a lot of people look at this table and go, normally the modifiers only go up to one. But from what I can tell, there's usually two bumps.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I can see that. I can see it
1: yeah well if i were to if i were to make if i were to look at this page and make a single universal table out of this i'd have a plus one level and i'd have a plus two level because that's what it looks like on average is trying to happen there
0: it's really interesting to me that we don't have an ODD um a, a modifier for for high strength affecting your t- hit in any way right Correct. we don't have um i guess yeah. um what are you wisdom? What are we used to for wisdom is going to be like a saving throw modifier, and yeah. intelligence is always the one that kind of gets question mark. Yeah. But maybe languages? Eh.
1: Well, that actually is here. You uh, on another okay. rate, you the the extra number of languages is just uh, your pips above ten.
0: oh Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well,
0: that's a lot of that's a lot of bumps.
1: <laughs> Correct. Correct.
0: 18 intelligence, you get eight extra languages. You're right. Um. You're right.
1: Yeah, no uh, to hit, no uh, I'm
0: gonna, damage. I'm going no to back real to quick here, Dan, and look at the BX page again because mm-hmm. there's something unique in BX that I always liked uh, since we're talking about languages, which is the low values of intelligence affecting your ability to read, write, or possibly even speak, which I always thought was really interesting, and I've never seen that in any other edition. Um, but I love it, frankly. I love it. This is what led to our... Um, our first ever actual play as a channel was My Birthday Game, uh, which I just recently uh, scraped all the audio for for our patrons. So, patron <laughs> benefit is now you can listen to that as podcast form if you want. Um, oh, great. Yep. Yep. That was, uh, but uh, all the players decided to play elves, and at least two of them got one language because of low intelligence and chose Elven so we had like a wonderful hilarious language barriers throughout the party um, in that in that game and I, I, it was i thought it was just i've not played a game like that honestly i've not played a D&D okay. game before that had that much language barrier built into the party and it was a lot of fun i thought a lot of fun
1: that was i agree that was actually great and you're right that isn't in any other D&D rule set um yeah. Yeah. And it what you you play like that and suddenly it feels like well, it should be there yeah because that's awesome and it's one ultra one that makes it feel like a deep world with, yeah. where the languages matter.
0: I feel like um, in my own house rules intelligence is probably the thing that I bump up more in importance than anything else um, so I add, um, you know, spell learning roles, and I had so to make actually intelligence important to a wizard, right? By by BX rules, it, it, the unless you unless you actually care about the prime rec bonus to XP, there's no reason for your magic user to have a high int. Um, you know, and then you end up with like, really? So I can be a, an illiterate magic user? Apparently, yes. I guess. Um, <laughs>
1: assuming there isn't just a flat there isn't a flat like you must have this ability score to be the to be a wizard I don't
0: think so I don't think there was but I may I might be misremembering mis- but I don't think there was uh, but anyway uh, I will I will make a comparison point here to uh, Warhammer fantasy where um, uh, literacy is not assumed at all and in fact it's an ability you have to buy so most characters in Warhammer are illiterate and and it's the exceptions that that can learn how to read and write, which I actually, uh, uh, I, I, I mostly love. I mostly love until I start giving handouts and realize that my players can't read my handouts. <laughs> 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 like if you had if you have a party that's that's a hundred percent illiterate, that is, that might hamstring your game, especially if you're relying on delivering written clues. But. Um, yeah, yeah. All right, Joshua Macy is telling us, thought that maybe in some versions of basic, you need a nine in your prime rec for any class. I think that can't be 100% right because then you could end up with a character that can be nothing, right? Like surely...
1: I'm not, I'm not finding that on a quick search. Um, and if that was the case, it wouldn't make, because you, know, the, the, you see the prime requisite table on the top left. Mm -hmm. right it's three to five you have minus 20 percent experience so that wouldn't make any sense if you were prohibited from being in a category
0: yep Yep. so i
1: i do agree in bx i think you can actually possibly have three in your prime requisite
0: yeah yeah there you go illiterate illiterate wizards do you want them in your game Mm -hmm. I, i prefer not
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, obviously, you go to, um, you know, first edition, right? I think that's what's probably stuck in a lot of our heads. First edition clearly has minimum ability requirements for any class to prevent yep. that. Yep. Uh, and, uh, and then I'm ex- that, 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 I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm comfortable with that.
0: I, you can't I, be I, with
1: intelligence. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think I put the hard requirement in there. What I ended up doing is I use a, an intelligence role. Uh, to to determine your ability to learn spells, and so generally, all my magic user players immediately then try to bump their intelligence up as high as they can. Right? Nobody gotcha. wants to play a stupid wizard because they're going to have almost no spells.
1: Well, you know, it's funny because this that, this actually is one of the ways where where you and I talk about we have house ruled a number of things in the same mm-hmm. direction. So mm-hmm. I've done that, you've done that, and in that way, there's a number of things that we did. We went parallel to make our, our games similar-ish, um, and I do the exact same thing. I think that's yeah. smart.
0: Yeah. Should we talk about uh, how you do ability checks? That's I think that's an interesting question.
1: Let's Let's deal. We can yeah. totally deal with that. But we should talk about your exceptional strength the
0: issue that we yeah didn't get to. yeah yeah. So let's talk about that.
1: Go forward like two. So here's original. So again, we saw original D D um uh, no that's just keep it on that so we okay. saw original D&D. now the first supplement right came out only eight months later it wasn't a whole year later that the greyhawk supplement came out radically changed all of that mm-hmm. and in the greyhawk supplement in 1975 you do get a separate table basically for every single ability and these were more or less carried forward into first edition so what you see in first edition second edition uh is basically the same stuff that showed up in 1975 with the greyhawk supplement and here you're looking at the page that has just the strength table and you have the basic table from 3 to 18 with a variety of different melee hit bonuses damage bonuses encumbrance adjustment open doors adjustment and then below that only for fighters and there's a number of things in the supplement that says well we needed to make fighters more Mm -hmm. durable balance against wizards and only fighters if you happen to have an 18 strength fighters get to roll percentile and then you might have 18 slash 30 strength or 18 slash 70 strength if you're really really lucky well we were all hoping for 18 slash 100 strength and you get a really enormous number of huge bonuses at the top end there
0: yeah 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 and the inevitable eyebrow raise when somebody brought their character sheet from another campaign and they had eighteen double zero strength. Uh, exactly. Yep, yep. <laughs> really, really rolled that one. Exactly. All right, buddy.
1: The um, you know so uh, I did have a character once in front of me. I had a player once in front of me in first edition rolling for this, and they did roll eighteen ninety nine strength. And it is interesting because a that player was irritated that he didn't get the hundred. <laughs> so he, was, he was complaining so
0: close. that he didn't yeah. get the
1: hundred yeah. and all the other players were, were somewhat complaining that he was so much overpowered compared to the rest of the characters. And again, as you said earlier, Paul, my attitude is well, but you're a team and you should find a way to use this to benefit the team. But weirdly there was a whole lot
0: of complaints from all angles about the 1899 strength. That's funny. I mean it's an exciting roll to roll, right? Like I always felt I like when we're doing I character know. generation, you're playing a fighter, you manage to get the eighteen strength, sweet, get out the percentile, come on. Yeah. There's a great gambling moment there, which is just I think yeah. fun. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, you're right. Uh you know, inevitably everybody else rolls their eyes and they complain. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? I don't know
1: and i'll say that and again as you know someone when i was when i was young and graduating you know started with basic uh, and then graduated to advanced dnd cracked open the very first page that has this table right there's a great deal of excitement like oh a new discovery a whole yeah. new brand subsystem of increased power and i mean i guess that's more or less the market model really, yep. isn't it yep. um a whole new increased thing for for me to like understand and dig into that nobody who's playing yep. basic knows about
0: oh what a wonderful I mean, Expanded system in first edition stats were so important right because you not yeah. only for, for yeah. fighters, but I remember like, right. you know, didn't wizards and, and clerics get extra spells based on their stats Absolutely. right that it was so it was huge. Yeah, wizards have and if I taken more images right
1: that's pretty much exactly what shows up here in the supplement yeah. in the next yeah. couple of pages, uh, a role to no spells by uh, wizard intelligence extra ac bonuses uh for dexterity things like that and i mean yeah. you just look at the table and i mean wouldn't if you're playing original D, wouldn't you want plus six damage bonus to melee and automatically opening any door and yeah plus yeah. Like, but
0: this is i feel like this is the, like the a- threshold over which we start yeah. to see builds right <laughs> now there's debate of well, if you're playing a magic user, obviously you want your highest ability score in intelligence. But then also we're going to debate your second highest score probably needs to be dexterity because you don't get to wear very much armor and you need the armor class bonus, right? Yep, and yep. so people start boiling it down and now suddenly your game is full of nimble wizards. And I go, surely there's a clumsy wizard somewhere, but nope, not anymore because we all mm-hmm. have to be highly nimble wizards so that we can get the extra okay. AC bonus.
1: That's a great point. That's actually a really that's actually a really really strong point. That uh, by by giving those by giving full you know open field choices, there is probably going to be some optimal choice. Yep, there is probably going to be some optimal choice, and the game and the play will invo- evolve in the direction of everybody taking that same choice. Um, you know, I want I want the stats to matter, I want the mechanics to matter, um, mm. but uh, it's a really it's a really good point that with an open field like that, you'll probably have very similar characters showing up over and over again.
0: Yeah, I I frankly I like I prefer that each stat matters in like one simple straightforward way. Right, that's my Mm -hmm. general preference. Uh, Almost to the point where like I'm a little disappointed to have dexterity double dip for both missile weapons and armor class. Let's just let's have it do one thing. Okay.
1: Okay. Would you say the same for strength about uh, hit probability and damage?
0: Maybe maybe it's a little easier for me to forgive that just because yeah. it's 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 attacking with a melee weapon, right? It's all about making attacking with a melee weapon better. It's kind of similar, yeah. I don't know. Though. Once
1: you have two, I mean, I see. I'm actually yeah. I, I'm I'm on board with like you know two's not bad. Uh, yeah. You know, attack to hit and damage, uh, dexterity and missiles, henchmen and loyalty.
0: You're, you're struggling now. You're struggling now. I know. What are the things totally for Constitution?
1: <laughs> There's a the, the whole, yeah, you know, uh, Constitution hit points and survival bonus, which which was on the page earlier that I didn't point out. Mm. Survival bonus in case of uh, really drastic. Um, oh, you're talking about like system shock rolls. Polymer. Exactly. Right. <laughs> which, you know, which, again, is in original D&D in the fine, the fine, fine, fine print. It's hard to wow. spot, but it's totally there on that page we looked at before. There is a system shock roll on that page in 1974. All right, all right. All right. Um, so I don't mind. You know, two things seems okay. Two things is all right. But there's a whole there's a whole subplot there about what do you use intelligence and wisdom for in game.
0: Yep, yep, yep. Wisdom was always the hardest. Whew. I agree. Wisdom is like eh, who cares about wisdom?
1: Yeah, I agree. In BX, right? You've got that in BX and first edition. You have a roll against either magic saves or mental saves. But boy. That comes up. That seems to come up so rarely, and often the players don't even remember about it. Yep. So I got to admit that's that's a little gimp there. Yep. And the other thing. So again, exceptional strength. Oh, you know, it's so exciting, but doesn't extrapolate evenly. Right. You can't extrapolate (laughs) evenly. So what do you do then? First edition, after strength eighteen hundred, there's a strength nineteen. Yeah. And there's a strength 20. There's no 19% anything. There's no 20. <laughs> then it just goes 19, 20, 21 and caps out at 25. Right, right. So they have really weirdo extra step purely just for strength, purely at the 18 level. And again, you have this weirdo, nonlinear, non extrapolatable system there. If you, you dig into some some dragon magazines, and occasionally they represent they, uh, they represented legendary characters with eighteen slash other stuff or other abilities, like maybe maybe um, Robin Hood has an eighteen slash hundred dexterity or something like that. There was there was no mechanical bonus to any of that stuff. It was just like here's how you can determine which person with the eighteen is better. And they tried to do that, but there wasn't any mechanical bonus to it.
0: Okay. Uh, um, that's that's. You do not know what very to do that. I, I don't. I don't know. What, what do I? What, what do I? Uh, yes. I don't know. I, honestly, I've never been into the like. Let's take this interesting historical or fiction character and stat them okay. up. Okay. Anytime I've seen okay. one of those articles, I'm like, yeah, who cares? Interesting. <laughs> Move interesting. on. You know, interesting. Never oh, been we got to do it. We need to do an episode on that actually because I
1: totally <laughs> disagree with that. I think that yeah. that's fascinating and an important important insight to how the system works. Oh my goodness, I can't believe you. Said are you going
0: to put them oh. in your game? Are you gonna Are you gonna have Robin Hood show up in your game? I never did. Yeah. I never
1: did, yeah. but I yeah. will use that as a guideline for what a powerful character looks like. Sure. I'll inspect it very, very closely to see what kinds okay. of things would okay. happen at that level. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, and that's the problem, right, is that that it that it's it, those examples are often only good for a very brief window of time, right? There's like the classic yeah. example of the stats for gods in, uh, is it Eldritch... Uh, wizard Result, it's, it's, right? uh, it's, it's, uh, deities and demigods is what it is deities and demigods oh okay I thought it was yeah. thought it was a different supplement but right but that classically statted out um, gods that were easily killable by the time first edition came out right
1: Right, <laughs> you know, legitimate, legitimate yeah. Uh, yeah. gods, demigods, and heroes is the original d d version, and uh, d and debit gods is the first edition version. Right, right. Um, uh, legitimate, you know, it, it, there's a critique in there, yep, not completely off
0: all right, I want to talk about ability checks, Dan. I want to talk about how how do we make ability checks, right? Because and the interesting thing is I'm trying to remember when this is even codified. I mean, certainly in later editions, you're talking about fifth edition or even third edition, you have a skill system. Uh, you, you, every skill is going to be based on an attribute, so your attribute modifier is going to play into your ability to make XYZ kind of check, right? Yeah. But before that, I feel like we very commonly had a... A roll under mechanic that a lot of people used, right? Like, uh, like, yep. okay, your your stat is three to eighteen, so roll a d twenty and get under your stat as a as an option. Wait, where's that written as a rule? Do you know?
1: It, it, it didn't get written down until fairly late. Now, a long time ago in the chat, and I, I apologize, I didn't I didn't uh, see who put it there. Someone pointed out that uh, way back in Dave Arneson's Blackmore game, um, you know, he had. 2d6 for abilities originally and you would check them by rolling 2d6 under Mm -hmm. so it's been in you know rolling around the system they didn't put it in the original d&D texts they did not put it in the first edition texts um but a lot of people were you know some people were rolling 3d6 under your ability and in fact i believe there's an early draft of original DD where the saving throws work like that here's a number please roll 3d6 under the save target or something like that interesting but the kind of obvious thing is i have a d20 here the 3 to 18 scale kind of sort of looks like that mm-hmm. why not roll a d20 under it yep. um and i think that moldvay in bx is the first person to actually write it down uh, i think that the last two pages of moldvay's basic rules are really here's a bunch of things that me tom moldvay came up with that technically aren't in the other rules but you should consider And one of them is, if I recall correctly, why not roll a d20 and see if it's under your ability score? That's pretty simple. Um, You know, and it's kind of nice. It's kind of attractive. It seems pretty simple, Um, but it doesn't look like the rest of the system. Usually when you're rolling a d20, you're trying to roll high. And so there's kind of this disconnect about the rest of the system. And when you start talking universal mechanic, the first thing you're gonna talk about is can I make this look like an attack roll?
0: Yeah. Well I've so I've done um I've inverted it in games in the past. I've inverted it usually because I'm using OED and so I'm doing target twenty already. So we're already at the point where we're used to roll a D twenty, add a number, get to twenty or higher. Um, so the very simple way to just invert your roll under is to say roll and add, right? Roll and add your and at this point and it, unfortunately this always confuses my players. Like the whole ability yes. score? Yes, not the modifier. The whole right. ability score. Roll your right. d20 and add your entire intelligence score to it, and if you get twenty or higher, that's a success. Yeah. Right. Um, and and that's ultimately my problem with it is that it's just so ingrained as unusual in my players' heads mm-hmm. that it, yeah. it becomes a stumbling block every time i used to do the
1: same thing there was a point where i also following a target 20 intuition i did the exact same thing of roll a 20 add your whole ability score tell me whether you get over 20 or not and likewise um slightly unusual mechanic uh slightly larger numbers you might possibly be adding 18 and 16 and someone's going to trip up over what the addition is yeah so what i what i switched to and it's funny because we're still looking at the original d d supplement table on on screen right now and on the far right there's still that open doors check which is on a d6 modified by strength still in bx same kind of idea and i switch those kinds of things your ability so for me what i do is your your raw ability checks are on a d6 just like open doors and you roll a d6 and add your modifier Hmm. so for that the math is small you're either adding one or two, or you know, maybe three. Probably just one or two, uh, and people can roll a d6, add one or two, and I haven't had a complaint over that. And I bas- basically just fold everything into a open doors like check.
0: Interesting, interesting. So, and th- now are you rolling, rolling, and adding, and trying to hit a high target number? Is that the idea? You know, that is what I
1: was <laughs> doing up until last year. And the funny thing is, I recently, I fairly recently switched. Um, if I want to be close to the original D&D text, it's funny because, as you can see on the table right there, for the open doors check, you want to roll low. Yep. In original, really, all of the D6 checks were, were try to roll low. You're searching, you're finding secret doors, whether a trap opens, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, con- considering that I'm trying to make as few changes to that text as possible, I've now switched back to uh, try to roll low and the interesting thing the interesting thing is it does make it for verbal it makes for some verbal efficiency of saying you have three chances out of six to make this and that immediately means roll a three or lower and so your your probability is the same as your target number under the roll low so for me now it's well normally you would have a two and six chance we'll add your strength bonus to that now, if you can roll a four or less, that's going to be success. Now, of course, so that's, that's in line with original D&D. It. Now the problem yeah. now someone's going to critique is my attack roll. I want to roll high yeah. and my D6 roll. I want to l- roll low. And so the funny thing is, you know, there's a lot of days nowadays where I kind of wish that the whole D&D mechanism would have been rolled low to begin with. Oh, I that, that oh. I, yeah. I kind of wish that the original attack. And if you look at the original you know the the pre-publication draft the whole idea to the attack roll is whatever your um fighter level is that's how many chances you have to hit on an attack roll and i'm like boy i kind of wish that they'd actually made that roll low like an accuracy check and then the whole system would just all be try to roll low under this target number but maybe that's me having bad sleep and nightmares, and maybe I shouldn't have set
0: that up. I mean, it, it sounds it's it's much more in 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 line with uh, your classic percentile based systems, right? Warhammer, or yeah. I think the the, the the Palladium games like this. I think right where you're, yeah. um, you have a percent chance, and you're always rolling percent numbers, and off you go. And my problem with that always yeah. is one, I feel like it's counterintuitive to the raw emotions of rolling dice. Big yeah. numbers are good, right? Like. Big yeah. numbers feel good, and it's just it takes a while. Although I think a lot of people, especially those who are used to percentiles, get used mm-hmm. to thinking mm-hmm. of low numbers as good, but it's a little weird. Right. Um, right, and then and then just that it's a closed system, right? That like ultimately, you know, it can't go up infinitely like a roll high system can. Right. I, can, I can keep making the target number higher and higher and higher, and you can keep adding more and more and more bonuses. Whereas a roll under, eventually it's, it's all right, you need a one on the die type or it doesn't work. Uh,
1: I think the, I think the modifiers could work out. I mean, just like you, some point you
0: need a 20 to hit, uh, there's, 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 when you were talking about just the D sixes, right? Like my, I'm immediately, my complaint about that is not that it's, counter to how attacks work but just the mental gymnastics of well so the what's the baseline the baseline is one in six and then i have a bonus an ability modifier i have a high strength so i get a plus two but that's not a plus Mm -hmm. two to the roll really what it is is a plus two to the odds that just my brain really stumbles over that a lot and i would much rather just invert it and say the baseline is a six you need to roll six or higher on a d6 and then you can add your ability modifier to the die roll I like that a lot it's easier um
1: yeah. i i did that uh i did that for a number of years and uh you know maybe th- maybe this is maybe i don't have my priorities straight but i got a little you know i got irritated by all the different all the many places in the original D text that i have to modify right, to right. Make then
0: that you have mistake. to flip yep
1: one you know a funny thing uh you know as you can see it's still roll low in the greyhawk supplement it's still roll low, even in Moldvay, even in Moldvay BX, it's still roll low on a D6. The funny thing is, if you look really closely at Menser's Beckme rules, he switched it specifically just for open doors with strength that you're talking about. He did not switch it for other stuff. Now, (laughs) okay, so now technically Uh, in Menser's Beckme, even some D6 rolls, some you want to roll high, and some you want to roll low. Open doors, you want to roll high, just for exactly that reason. But for finding secret doors and searching and things like that, you still want to roll low with a one or two. So he didn't—he didn't quite manage to switch all of them. He got—he got one of them. Hmm,
0: hmm, hmm. So what are you using now for a a magic user learning new spells? Is that a D6 roll now for you? No, that's a D20 roll. You know, it's
1: interesting. It's a good point. I find that, and in, in some of the chat has been talking about, well, in the D6 rolls, you know, now your raw ability doesn't make so much difference. So my instinct is that for me right now, my idiom is raw abilities, just raw abilities, that's going to be on a D6. It's going to be fairly crude. Mm-hmm. It's probably an ad hoc um, call that I'm making. There probably isn't a concrete rule for this thing. So if I can just if I can just tell you whether it's two or four and six, I feel like that's the best I can do. But for things that are class-based, for things that are based on your experience or your level, that's gonna be a D20 and the level's gonna modify that. So fighters trying to hit you, that's D20 plus your level. Thieves trying to pick a pocket, that's gonna be D20 plus your thief level. And wizards trying to learn a spell, for me that's D20 plus your wizard level. And so that kind of thing that I think ought to be based on the experience level more than the ability, that becomes a D20
0: texture you, level. Are you still modifying it by the ability modifier or no? Is it just level? I'm going <laughs> to go over here and look at it. <laughs> Right, because that's uh, learning spells for me is the yeah, big one right. that I think is is interesting to tie to intelligence. Otherwise, your magic right. users have no reason to have high int. Um, yes,
1: uh, yes, I do. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well argued, Paul. I agree with you. That is, and I, I think that's that's, that's an
0: interesting dynamic too, especially when you consider the range of numbers. Right. So I'm used to in classic D and D that your max level is yeah. about ten. Right. That it, right. above level ten just whatever we do. we generally don't okay. play that. Um and then and and the, what I like about that is that your abilities modifiers, right, are probably going to hit plus 2 or plus 3 max of what you're talking about. So at low yeah. levels, raw raw talent is more important. But mm-hmm. as you become more experienced, experience yep. becomes more important and talent helps a little, but it's actually more interesting, you know, how how long you've been doing it. And I kind of like that. I feel like there's a nice uh you know a nice uh, veritas about that
1: i do too i like that a lot i like that and also just for consistency sake if, if fighters can add their strength bonus to attack and thieves can add their dexterity bonus in some way to their thief skills then you know, for consistency purposes the wizard ought to be adding their intelligence bonus to learn spells yep. um and i agree with that i i do i actually am very comfortable that's one thing i am very comfortable with is at higher levels, the experience level being more important than the ability score. I'm very comfortable with that. I think that yeah. makes sense. And really, really well put the way you just presented
0: that, Paul. It's nice. I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yep. All right, Dan, we are shockingly out of time. Any final thoughts what? on uh, on yeah, ability scores? Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I I'm gonna mm-hmm. have to dig into the chat later on actually, because I apologize that I the the, the the very interesting, very lively chat's been happening while you and I have been talking, Paul so uh, i'm going to want to look at that i know that mr miller has given me homework to look at the rogues gallery abilities and statistically analyze them so i've got that i got that documented mr miller thank you thank you thank you for the extra task for my list um and if anybody wants to uh continue that in the comments on the the archived youtube uh i will be looking at that uh, even more now he's giving it to me for the third time
0: Excellent. Uh, (laughs) All right. So maybe we're going to have to revisit uh, ability scores at some point. I feel like there probably are a dozen things we didn't talk about here. Uh, We certainly didn't talk about uh, monsters having ability scores or uh, the fact that, you know, do they go up with level? Uh, They they do now. They do in later editions. That's a standard, you know, advancement mechanism when that happens. Um, great, and I bet, so,
1: I bet if, I, if I bet if we do do an analysis of uh, characters and pre-generated characters and NPCs from the first edition here, I get I bet that we will find that higher level characters presumably have higher level abilities.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So, uh, if you have any thoughts, comments, questions about ability scores that you want to see on uh, ability scores uh, revamp episode two, whatever whatever we're calling that uh part do abilities <laughs> boosted yeah yeah great whatever we're gonna call that uh please please leave them in the comments here uh on on our video we would love to uh, hear your thoughts and incorporate them into our follow-up conversation definitely definitely um
1: if you are new to the show remember that you can like follow and subscribe to us on a bunch of social media youtube facebook twitter twitch and we have the handle wandering dms on all of those sites so please follow us there
0: Yes, and if you prefer to listen to us yammer on instead of watching our lovely faces, you can do that by uh, visiting our website, wanderingdms.com, where all of our episodes are available in podcast form. You can also find them on various podcast carriers like iTunes and Google Podcast and Spotify. Uh, if you're listening to us from one of those carriers, uh, stop for a moment and review us on that site. We'd really appreciate it.
1: We definitely do. And as always, thanks enormously to our patrons who support the Wandering DMs. Uh, You're so incredibly generous and supportive and we could not do all of the shows that we have been doing lately without your support. If uh, you have the capacity and you would like to join our patrons in supporting the Wandering DMs, please visit patreon.com slash wanderingdms. You can see our different tier levels and benefits, including uh, discounts on Wandering DMs merchandise, access to our discord server, where we hang out after our shows for half an hour or so and chat with people a little bit more. Um, And uh, surveys about what you want to see on our blogs coming up. And usually one other thing that I forget about Paul, and that is
0: that uh well well recently uh podcast versions of our uh, birthday game is the new thing that just hit um and there's there's actually some other content some some other patron only content in there I think uh, uh, in fact there's our video series where you and I went back and looked at the birthday game and analyzed them from behind the screen right, right. well those right. are on the Patreon uh, site as well so. Yeah, check that you know out. You don't
1: want everybody to know exactly what we do behind the screen. So we did make that for patrons only here at Wandering yeah. the End. <laughs> Still a couple secrets behind the screen. Yeah. Um, don't forget all of our other shows uh, coming up. In particular, this Tuesday, Episode 6 of The Big Bad, where which is our, our final competitive show, actually. At the end of Tuesday, you will know who uh, won the series, as a matter of fact. Uh, this Tuesday, we do have The Knights of Ulick, headed by Lord Gasumba, Jay Scott, Lord Gasumba's channel really big in the Greyhawk community on Twitch. So uh, Jay is leading a uh, group of old school players uh, Greyhawk aficionados, and we'll see how they do on our scenario on the Big Bad this Tuesday at 8, so we hope you'll watch that.
0: Yeah. That's actually the penultimate episode because uh, there is an awards show that comes at the end where we gather all the groups together and talk about how they did and talk about how the scoring worked and all that stuff. So there is one more episode after that, but uh, definitely this is the the final comp- competing team, so you should certainly check it out on Tuesday. And another... Another benefit to our patrons is that after that airs uh, officially on Tuesday evening, we, of course, have our post-show Q&A on our Discord for our patrons. So uh, consider joining the Patreon if you'd like to join in on that.
1: It was super lively chat last week, actually. That was really a blast watching it uh, with people and having a chat afterwards last Tuesday. So I'm really looking forward to that uh, this Tuesday night, see what people's reaction are to episode six of The Big Bad, Tuesday night at 8 p.m.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Also, don't forget about Paul's... Ten Dead Rats, which happens Thursday, of course. Uh, he'll be back with that, I believe. And uh, not don't this Thursday. Not
0: this Thursday. Let me jump in. Not this Thursday. That's oh, Thanksgiving. Oh no! no. <laughs> so, Holidays, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Holidays.
0: I've heard of that. Totally yep. know that. So, so following uh, that's, Thursday that's we'll
1: good. be back. I'm probably going to need a. I'm probably going to a break to relax after episode six, of The Big Bad Tuesday. Actually, so I'm going to be mopping my brow and Great. recovering from the excitement after that. Good call. Good call, Paul. Well, well timed on that. Yeah. (laughs) Don't forget, we are live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. We will be back next Sunday uh, with another episode of the Wandering DM Sunday chat show. So we hope that you will uh, join us live or possibly listen to the podcast later next Sunday. So do please join us next week for another thought provoking discussion. We'll see you then.